Well, it's great to be here with you guys. It's great to be worshiping with you. And, uh, you know, we're diving in today to a kind of a two-part, right? The first part here was making much of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. And uh, his work on the cross was so important. Everybody say, so important. His work on the cross, man, without it, we have nothing. And his shed blood, him for me, and without the uh, shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And through Jesus Christ, we can have that forgiveness of sin. Praise God. The work of the cross is utterly essential. But Paul even said in 1 Corinthians 15, he's like, yeah, 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 that's true. But I'm telling you, the resurrection is absolutely essential too. And Jesus Christ, he is alive. Otherwise, we've been saved to what? And if he can't conquer death, what is there? And uh, Jesus Christ, he is alive. Jesus Christ, he is risen. Jesus Christ, he is our hope. Jesus Christ, he is for eternity, King of kings and Lord of lords. He rules over all. And all of God's people said, and that's our hope. Jesus Christ, yes, he went to the cross and yes, he rose again. And so we're in a series here called That We May Have Life. That you may have life, that we might believe, that we might understand, that we might have life. May we grasp all that is going on. And uh, as we dive in today, we're looking at uh, the second set of witnesses. John put together a number of witnesses. They're actually in sort of a, uh, a legal format, if you will. And so these are testimonies, person after person after person, testimonies of the truth that Jesus Christ is alive. And uh, we're looking today at the second set, the disciples. This is like a group of people. And uh, picture it like a courtroom in each setting where they're being brought up and they're giving their story. That's a lot of what's going on here, all right? And so remember, we talked about this in past weeks, but the testimonies, for them to be of value, they have to have a couple things that are true about them, right? So number one, it's got to be some people with pretty high character, like, you care what they think. And also, that they have been in some way a part of this in a firsthand experience. They're testifying to a firsthand experience, and they're willing to go to the mat for it. They're willing to die for it. This is a huge deal. Every one of these, super high character, they were there as firsthand witnesses, and they're willing to die for this truth. Jesus Christ, he is alive. He is risen. And... Uh, all right, so as we dive in today to the second set of witnesses, Your Honor, we call to the stand the disciples, all right? And so point number one here, the witness called. The disciples saw Jesus in his new glorified body along with the marks of his sacrifice. The disciples saw Jesus in his new and glorified body along with the marks of his sacrifice. So we start in verse 19. It says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. And uh, we'll just hold right there. And uh, it says, on the evening of that day, which day? Well, the same day as the day we were looking at when we were studying this last week. It's the same day that Mary ended up seeing Jesus. It's the same day that the tomb was found open. It's the same day that Jesus resurrected from the dead, that day. This awesome, glorious salvation day, this hope day, this Easter Sunday, Jesus Christ, he is risen. And yeah, the tomb was turned open and 
There's a ton that went on in it. I actually just wrote down a list if you put together across the Gospels. Uh, The women as a group ended up coming to see the tomb. Luke 24, Mary was a part of that. Mary splits off. She runs to go see Peter and John. We see that here in John where Mary runs and gets Peter and John. John and Peter come running back. The women have since left. So John and Peter are there at the tomb alone. They're looking around. They start doing the study. Remember the saw, saw, and saw, the three different saws, right? Where you're just looking, and then you're looking in detail, and then you're looking and believing, perceiving. And uh, they believed there. They end up going away. Mary ends up coming back now. So Mary is now arriving back at the tomb, and she ends up talking with the angels and then turning and seeing Jesus himself and talking with them there. Mary's the first witness to Jesus Christ risen from the dead by talking with Jesus, and God entrusted that to her. And now we get to the road to Emmaus where Jesus is walking with some guys and heading with them. That's not in this book. That's not in the Gospel of John, but that's a story that happened right after it. And right after that, the disciples are collecting together, and they're worried. They haven't heard from Jesus. Only Mary has, and that's where we're picking it up. It says, on the evening of that day, with all those things going on, the first day of the week, so this is the Sunday, this is Easter Sunday, this is three days after Jesus had died, and he is now risen. Remember when Jesus said that this temple will be restored in three days, he was talking about himself, and they looked at him like he was nuts. You know, just a little newsflash, when you think you know you're right and Jesus looks like he's nuts, guess who's wrong? Right, and, and so let's make sure we understand that even as we read scripture and he has things to say, let's make sure we're not running it through the filter of, yeah, I don't think so. That's not the way I see it. Let's make sure we see the authority of Jesus Christ and what he has to say. And all of God's people said, all right. And so on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. You see, they had taken a pretty strong stand with Jesus. Jesus had a lot to say. Jesus had a lot to do. Jesus was sharing it out. People were getting offended. The Jews specifically were getting offended. Jesus was being declared as being the king of the Jews and uh, the Messiah. And uh, it didn't seem to go real well. He went to the cross, and, and being on the cross, they were like devastated. All of a sudden, they have lost all hope. Can you imagine? This is our Savior. This is going to be the Messiah. He's going to be the one who leads us into awesome, eternal glory of the kingdoms forever. And they really didn't know what they were saying. They didn't know how that would happen. They didn't perceive it was going to be spiritual. They perceived somehow a physical king. And they're like, I don't know what it means that it'll reign forever, but good deal. That's awesome. And, and uh, they're saying some things that are pretty offensive. And the Jews are like, I don't think it's that guy. And they were elevating up. They were getting amped. They were ready to take Jesus' life, which they did. They were talking about taking Lazarus' life and heading after him because that guy's testimony was hurting the cause, right? And like, we got to shut that guy down. And there was a lot going on. There were a lot of people pretty ticked off at the position Jesus had taken and the disciples had taken. So the first suggestion the disciples had when they got together, dude, lock the door, right? Uh, Like, if we're going to hang together, let's make sure this is a safe place. Lock that door. And so the door is locked. They're lamenting what's going on. They're sad beyond all measure. 
And uh, it's super important that we notice the door is locked. Everybody just say it's a big deal. And uh, why do I say it's a big deal? Because the next phrase says, Jesus came and stood among them. How? Well, he, he had a special key made. Um, he, he called the locksmith. They came down and visited. He, uh, how did he get in there? And, and I'm just telling you, there are other passages of Scripture as well that when Jesus rose from the dead, he not only rose again where it's, yes, him in the body with the marks, and we'll see that in a second, but Jesus Christ has this glorified body now. There's something very unique going on, something very special going on in this declaration of new life. And this glorified body, yes, very physical, very visible, still able to eat with the disciples, laugh with the disciples, and be with them, still has that physical body, and yet able to move across domains or regions quickly, able to move through a locked door without any big deal to it. And just so you know, most believe that Jesus' glorified body is probably a great uh, illustrate an example of what our glorified bodies are going to be. Man, if you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, hear me. There's a point where, yes, we die, we end up in heaven, our soul, but it says there's a point where all of a sudden when Jesus Christ is returning, the dead in Christ will rise first. And in a twinkling of an eye, there will be this glorification that takes place. And all of a sudden, you're with your glorified body. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that you're going to like your glorified body better than the body you got right now. I'm pretty sure. And uh, I don't think this complaint is going to be out there. I feel like I'm fat. Like, I don't think we're going to be hearing that complaint. And uh, we're going to be like, this is awesome. I, I, I knew I could look like this. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. They're going to have this glorified body. And uh, Jesus Christ has that glorified body now in this story. That's where he's at. And going forward from there for all eternity, he's got that glorified body, and he's leading the way for us. And uh, Jesus Christ, he was standing amongst them, and he said to them, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And uh, now this is actually a very common uh, hello style statement, right? And uh, so in the Hebrew, you would say shalom, right? That means peace. And that's a way of welcoming. And so that's kind of what's going on here. You're seeing the Hebraic hello statement moved over into the Greek. And peace be with you, as he says to them. And man, hello. <clears throat> we say that in a lot of different ways, right? And if you're walking, if you just see somebody that you maybe don't know, you're meeting them for the first time, you're like, oh, hello. We say it formally, right? If you see somebody you know, you're like, hey, right? We may say that. If you're a cowboy out west, you say, howdy. Right? I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. I don't know. I'm not out there. But I think you say howdy. We've seen that on the movies, right? And uh, we've got a lot of different statements that get made along the way. And if you're urban inner city, like, hey, what's up? And uh, maybe even throw the word dog on the end of that. That's supposed to be complimentary, I think. And uh, right? Just ways of saying hello, right? And uh, this is one of those. It's a way of saying hello, but I'm telling you it's so much more than that. It is also Jesus Christ saying you may not grasp this, but I'm telling you I have accomplished something spiritually that is going to rock your world. Peace can now be had. Peace can be yours. Jesus Christ is making that statement, and how do you know? Well, it comes up again in a little bit. He's saying it in peace be with you. We, we see in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have 
That was a weak pickup. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace be with you. Jesus is like, you need to understand something. I've gone to the cross. I have died and I have risen. I have made a payment available so that you can have peace with God. It's been resolved. It is finished. All those statements being made in this simple little statement as Jesus says, peace be with you. And it is done. The work is accomplished. And when he had said these things, he showed them his hands and his side. He showed them his hands and his side. He showed them the marks where they had nailed him to the cross and where they jabbed a spear in to see if he was still alive. And the water came out, proving he had passed away. He showed them the marks of his hands and his side. And this was a proof. This is Jesus Christ. This is the one who was crucified. This is the one who went to the cross for us. And just so you know, though, it's more than that. This is actually bringing in the experiences of the whole weekend. I was there. I saw him on the cross. And Jesus Christ is like, I was there. And this was a part of what I went through for you. And yes, it is me. I'm alive. And the fears and the horrors and the feelings all come rushing back in. And um, massive statement as he begins to show them his hands and his side. It says, Then the disciples were glad. I'm not sure if that might be the world's worst understatement ever, (laughs) right? And uh, so I looked up that word glad in the original language, just so you know, it probably has more a sense of rejoicing with it. We've sort of watered down the word glad. And uh, so it does mean glad. They were glad, like from the inside out, super happy. But there's also this deep rejoicing going on, this celebrating taking place. There was sort of a party at hand. There was a moment, can you imagine, where you're sitting there, you're in the house, and you're like, oh, I can't believe this. And what, in the, what in the world? And all of a sudden, boom, there's this guy standing in your presence, glorified body, and you're like, whoa. And he says, thank you, good uptake. And he says, Peace be with you. And you're like, yeah, you too. (laughs) What is this? And the guy's like, look at my wounds. And you're like, Jesus? Can you imagine that moment as they're recognizing him? It says they were glad and they saw the Lord. Now, remember on Easter Sunday, we talked about three different saws. There's the saw where you just take it in with your eyes, like we do a lot of things. We just see things, right? And uh, it's not that. There's the second level of saw that we uh, were looking at in that chapter early on. And the second one is when you're beginning to look around and perceive details. You're basically being a, like a detective. You're looking for more information. And that's what Peter was doing as he stepped into the tomb. He was looking for more detail. And remember, he saw the cloth that was on Jesus' face that was now folded up and set aside. He was looking more intently. It's not that one either. It's the third one. It's the one that 
John had when he stepped in and he saw, he perceived, and he believed. This seeing comes with believing. This seeing comes with my heart is wrecked. I, I get it now. And in that moment that he's standing in there and he says, peace be with you, and then he shows them his marks, they end up getting it. He isn't just dying, he is rising, and now all of a sudden, it isn't a failed plan of Messiah. This is the best plan I've ever heard of. He's died on the cross and he's risen again. This is amazing. Jesus Christ, he is risen. He is the Lamb of God. He is healed. He is arised. He is holy. He is, he is my hope. Jesus Christ, they saw the Lord. Man, they believed. They got it. They grasped it. There was a huge thing that just happened to them. And, um, you know, this past week, my wife and I went up to uh, the Chicagoland area. We go up there uh, every couple of months right now because Jana um, is a psychotic runner who, <laughs> who loves to run and uh, ended up injuring herself pretty badly in that psychotic nature, which I think was God's way of telling you not to run ever again, but you haven't gotten that memo yet, so that's not what he's saying. <laughs> and... Uh, but uh, loves to run, and uh, the Achilles just super damaged, and so we've been going to a foot doctor up there to get things very carefully managed. The first time we were up, uh, he ended up saying, you are like a breath away from these both Achilles rupturing. Please be super careful. So she's been wearing braces for the last six months and not running and being super careful, and we're going up to the doctor to get these things continually checked out, and so our plan is go up and see the doctor and then go out to an awesome restaurant up there, whatever the restaurant may be. And we meet my parents up there because they live in the Chicago area. And uh, so we go to a restaurant with them each time. And so we've been to things like Giordano's and that kind of stuff. This one was Portillo's. We were a little bit on the quicker fly. I know they're coming to the Bloomington area. It's going to change the whole Chicago trip now. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but uh, we went to Portillo's up there. And so we're kicking back in the sun outside on the patio and we're chatting. And at one point we got to talking about memories and family and looking back. And, and, and we got to a point where my mom brought up one of the houses that we grew up in. It was a small duplex that I was in until probably I was six years old. And it was uh, in the town that we lived in our whole lives. It was just, you know, we moved. It was the big move back then where you moved up the block, right? We moved out of the duplex into a house. And uh, she's like, do you remember that place? And I'm like, yeah, I think I do. I remember when you come in the door, you're in like the living room, right? And she's like, yeah, absolutely. That's right. And, and I'm like, and then the kitchen was like off to the right. And she's like, yeah, it was just kind of a little bit. You had to go around a doorway. And I'm like, yeah. And then the steps were like kind of to the left, right? And she's like, yeah. And I have no recollection of upstairs. And that's all I can recall of the whole house. And uh, why? Well, here's the sad thing. I have actually one memory of that entire house. And uh, my memory was when my mom brought home a record. She brought home one of those, uh, y'all know what a record is, right? She brought home a, re <laughs> she brought home a record. And uh, she was playing it for me and my sister, and I don't know what age we were, but uh, the song was saying to do things. And at one point it said, hop like a bunny. And so we were hopping like bunnies. We were little, okay? I wasn't a teenager, all right? <laughs> So we were hopping like bunnies, and I hopped around the corner of the couch, and the wall going into the kitchen has a very pointed edge on it, and I hopped right into it, 
and it clipped my forehead, cut me, knocked me on my ground, on the ground. Blood is coming down all over my face. My mom's getting a rag and take, trying to take care of it. We ended up having to go get stitches. I still have the wound scar from my bunny hop into the wall. And uh, I can remember that entire layout from that event. Do you know what I'm saying? It just sticks with you. I don't remember anything else for six years. I remember bleeding out on the floor, right? <laughs> That's what I remember. And, uh, and they ended up getting that taken care of. And, and, uh, but I still have the mark today. And I'm telling you, this is just from running into a wall. Can you imagine when Jesus shows them the marks of the cross? Are you hearing me? It's not just a proof that he's Jesus. This is, it brings the whole thing rushing back in. You feel the moment. You remember you were there. You feel the pain. You feel the anguish. You feel the horror. You feel the unfairness of what he had to take on. You feel it all. Jesus is like, do you see the marks? And they saw the Lord. They believed and all of God's people said, man, the witness, he is alive. Simple question, and do you believe? Do you grasp that Jesus Christ is alive, that he died for you and that he rose for you? Do you see Jesus? Do you understand and grasp what he's done for you. That's first. Second, trust in Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit and taste of true forgiveness. Trust in Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit and taste of true forgiveness. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. And uh, this is not Jesus early rendition of hello again, hello. This is not the Neil Diamond moment where he's like, said hello, peace be with you, and then he's decided to just say it again, hello, yeah. hello. Like, it's not that, right? By the way, have you listened to that song, hello again, hello? I'm just saying I'll ruin it for you now forever. Just think of the word stalker when you listen to that song. I just wanted to make sure it was Neil Diamond. If I happened to mention it, I didn't know if I would or not, and I started listening to it. That could be the creepiest song ever written. Now, now listen to it with the word stalker in mind. You'll hear as he says words like, when I think of you at night, I, oh my word. <laughs> I took cold medicine today, so if I say things I shouldn't say, y'all just be a little forgiving of me, all right? Uh, <laughs> peace be with you. I have no idea where I am. Okay. <laughs> Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Jesus is like, hear me. God sent me with a plan. God the Father sent me. And I was here to bring a message of love and a message of hope. Jesus Christ, he did more than that. He went to the cross. He died and he rose. But he was also bringing a message. Peace is the message. And he's like, you now, you're being called to share that message out. This is a call. Remember when Jesus was talking to Mary, he said, go and tell. Go and tell. Be a witness. Now he's talking to these disciples, and he's like, I'm sending you. Go. 
Your job is to tell the truth that Jesus Christ is risen. There is hope in him. There is peace in him. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. In fact, this is the same word, really, that's used. If you look back in Genesis 2, there's a translation that goes on where the Hebrews turned into the Greek, and uh, it's called the Septuagint. And when they translated that, they used the same word here. And, and so the word breathed on, this really bring, kind of brings to remembrance this statement. And uh, it's when God formed Adam out of the ground, and then he breathed on him and brought in physical life. And here you have this sense of breathing on that brings spiritual life. Remember, they have just seen the third kind of scene where it brings belief. And he is now breathing on them. There is spiritual life happening all of a sudden. And he is the author of physical life. Yes, he is also the author of spiritual life. Jesus Christ, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And uh, he's bringing some, fa- some form and fashion of the Holy Spirit right then. Now, we know the Holy Spirit comes in basically full power and authority on the day of Pentecost. That's still some days out. But these people are tasting of the Holy Spirit right then and there. And there's a call. Is that me? I'm going to hang. So there's a call to receive, to receive the Holy Spirit, Okay. And uh, this is a big deal, man, where the Holy Spirit is being offered up, and it's basically like, be filled. This is the command to us today. Be filled. Receive the Holy Spirit. May the Holy Spirit impact you deeply. And uh, there was still going to be more to be shared of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, that's for sure. This was a temporary. This may be more like what the Old Testament saints experienced of the Holy Spirit, where there were moments of a filling or an indwelling but not a guaranteed long-term permanent. And then it says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven of them. Okay, what? If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And let's just make sure we camp on this and understand it real carefully. This passage could be one of the most grievously misunderstood passages uh, in the New Testament. One of, but it could be one of them. And uh, basically, if you read it quickly, you're like, So, new way to be forgiven of sin, just get a disciple to tell you you're forgiven, right? Is that what this means? Is this cause effect? They declare it, so now it has to be true. Is that what's being said? Just so you know, that's not what's being said. So, I'm going to give you a couple of phrases just to maybe write down here. Um, They're declaring the fact, but they are not the cause, I'm going to explain why in just a second, but just get it written down. They are declaring the fact, but they are not the cause. First of all, do you notice that it doesn't have the word cause in here, that you will cause them to be forgiven, right? Our English kind of hears that when we read this, and all of a sudden, we, it sounds like they declare forgiveness. It's causing them to be forgiven. That is not, everybody say, that's not it. That's not it. They're declaring the fact of their forgiveness, the cause is God himself through Jesus Christ. Forgiveness that comes as they, Romans 10, 9, believe that Jesus is risen from the dead and see him and confess him as Lord. They are Romans 10, 9 saved. You see it and you're like, I declare your sins forgiven by the faith being declared, by the work of God 
uh, in their lives, they are able as disciples to perceive this and so declare out, your sins are forgiven. Now, notice what it says here. It says, um, if you forgive their sins, they are forgiven. In actuality, here's what it says in the original language. It says, if you forgive your, their sins, they have been forgiven. Okay, so I'm going to do this with a little physical moment. If you forgive their sins, before it, they have been forgiven. Are you hearing it? It's called the perfect tense, and it's a really big deal. Everybody say it's a big deal. Don't worry if you remember the name of the tense. It doesn't matter. Here's what it's saying. If you forgive their sins, it's already true. They have been forgiven. You are proclaiming out the truth of God at work in their lives. He's saying, hear me. There's a new thing afoot. Jesus Christ is ruler over all and peace through him. And as you believe in him and as you confess him as Lord, you are saved. And because of it, all you need do is talk with them. And as they start sharing out with you, I believe that Jesus Christ is risen. I confess him as Lord. They're like, your sins are forgiven. And it has already taken place. It's being declared out to the masses. That's what's being said here. Now, I'm just going to go throw down. I usually don't use a church name like ever, but I'm going to here. The Catholic Church will take this passage and misuse it, and that's super, super dangerous. This is not the battle cry to get to a pastor or a priest in some way and get them to absolve your sin. Everybody say, not that. At best, this is their job to point you back to Christ, and if you confess Jesus Christ as Lord... If you actually recognize and believe that he has risen from the dead, then they are to say, clearly your sins are then forgiven. This is not absolving sin by sin as you come running up and try to get a priest to forgive your sin. It's not that. This is being able to declare out that Christ has accomplished the work. Peace be with you. And uh, New American Standard Version captures this translation probably the best. I'll just leave it at that. Super important that we grasp that Christ has it in hand. And all of God's people said, amen, amen man. And then the exact same thing happens again. And if you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. And it's the same thing. If you withhold, it has already been withheld. Like you're like, you're standing against Christ. Dude, your sins are not forgiven. You're in need. And maybe you're in here today. Please hear me. If you have not trusted and believed that Jesus is risen from the dead, if you have not confessed him as Lord, we stand in one spot, sins not forgiven, in need of a Savior. Man, please come to him. Jesus Christ, he declares this out, peace be with you. As you trust in Jesus as your Savior, there is peace between you and God for all of eternity. There is hope in him. Trust and believe and receive the Holy Spirit as he does a mighty work in your life. Man, all too often we try to make our walk in this Christian world about trust and believe and then do the rest yourself. Paul actually dealt with that in Galatians 3. Like, so not that plan, man. Trust and believe on a daily basis and watch God do a work in your life. 
Receive the Holy Spirit. Let him do a work in you you could never accomplish. Why is it that when we can't be saved by the flesh that somehow we perceive we can be glorified by the flesh? That is a terrible plan. Galatians 3. Get off the I can do it myself plan. I need the Spirit. Everybody just say it with me. I need the Spirit. That's the statement here. Very simply put, God Almighty, may you change my soul one degree of glory at a time as I trust in you, Jesus, and receive the Holy Spirit and I worship you with all I've got. That is our call to trust. So how's your trust? Are you receiving the Spirit and leaning on Him? Are you trusting in Jesus Christ with all you have? That He has risen from the dead. He is life. He is your hope. And He is your God. Let's pray.